welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week we're tackling a couple of different topics. One that's amazing and awesome, and another that's annoying and bothersome, but both which present some really interesting challenges and opportunities. First, the beautiful and spellbinding images captured by the James Webb Space Telescope. CBS News correspondent Peter King. The James Webb Space Telescope is a million miles from Earth, and that first picture shows a huge star field, galaxies surrounding other galaxies, and says NASA Administrator Bill Nelson. We're looking back more than 13 billion years. The James Webb is years late and billions over budget, but scientists say they're excited about the discoveries to come. They say all those bumps will have been worth it. Peter King, CBS News. And Space Policy Institute Director Scott Pace agrees it's well worth the price. It's about what is it that human beings can do and where can they go and what can they know. It's it's about trying to understand the, what are the range and possibilities of human knowledge. It's a, a training and learning. And in the course of that, we discover who we are uh, as humans, that uh, we can do things uh, that previously were undreamt of. But he does acknowledge the project has been unusually difficult and expensive. I think I felt confident that uh, it, it was going to happen, it was going to work. However, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, possible always to know how much it was going to cost and how long it was going to take. President Joe Biden, who was on hand at the White House when the first image was unveiled, expressed his awe and admiration. Along the way, unfolding itself, deploying a mirror 21 feet wide, a sun shield the size of a tennis court, and 250,000 tiny shutters, each one smaller than a grain of sand. Put together, it's a new window into the history of our universe. These images are going to remind the world that America can do big things and then remind the American people, especially our children, that there's nothing beyond our capacity, nothing beyond our capacity. We can see possibilities no one has ever seen before. We can go places no one has ever gone before. Next, we turn to a story about technology that's perhaps awesome in its scope and ability to really tick us off on a day-to-day basis. Spam, auto-warranty robocalls. Something positive, though, as Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost announced recently he's filing suit to crush a scheme responsible for bombarding U.S. customers with billions of illegal robocalls. And the Federal Communications Commission is also issuing cease and desist letters to some of the same targets in that case. The complaint filed in federal court in the Southern District of Ohio names 22 defendants led by Roy Cox Jr., Aaron Michael Jones, and Stacy Yim, all of California. Cox and Jones have previously been sued by the Federal Trade Commission for similar robocall practices. The lawsuit accuses the defendants of multiple violations of both the Telephone Consumer Protection Act and the telemarketing sales rule, including 
including making unlawful robocalls without consent, failing to disclose the caller's identities, placing calls to numbers on the National Do Not Call Registry, and failing to honor Do Not Call requests. And in a related case, Geost settled a suit with another robocall operation requiring that G4 Telecom Incorporated and its owner pay the state $20,000 and stop helping others make illegal robocalls. The company also agreed to implement extensive screening so they can avoid carrying illegal robocalls in the future. But how do these rogue robocallers get away with it? Here's a clip from a seminar that Yoast put on a few months ago, where one of the featured speakers was networking technology expert David Frankel, who's the founder of ZipDX. They make money usually by selling some product or service or by stealing or extorting uh, an identity or funds from that person. Um, e- even if only a few dozen people succumb to their scam, uh, they can make money and good money. That's why they do it. And generally, uh, these callers are using whatever scam they can dream up to try to convince somebody that there's a problem and that they need to reveal information or send money. Most of these red scams, they're just invented. They're just making something up that they hope will scare some tiny fraction of the people they call into engaging with them, and then, and then they, they rope them in. And he explains how it works. You have a caller somewhere, often overseas, a fraudster, um, or somebody based in the United States who's doing telemarketing, lead generation, uh, again, potentially not legally, and, and they will put up money for a calling campaign. As I said earlier, they can spend on the order of $1,000 to make a million calls, uh, even less than that, pay anonymously. And then there is some gateway or origination provider, a telephone company, somebody that is holds themselves out to be a telephone company, has gone through a few fairly simple steps to establish themselves as a provider. They accept payment. They are the ones that are allowing these calls onto the telephone network. You cannot sit in Pakistan and send a call directly to uh, a Verizon or AT&T or, or mobile telephone, a T-Mobile telephone. You have to pay somebody to do that for you. So that's what we call the gateway or origination provider. They're taking money and then they pay somebody else, usually downstream from them, another telephone company to take that call and send it onward towards its destination. Many of these calls will hop through several providers as they make their way to the destination. Um, And and some payment changes hands at each step along the way. Many of these phone companies profess that as far as they know, these calls are legal. Um, And and we'll talk more about, about ferreting that out. Eventually, a call reaches a victim Uh, Some tiny fraction of them will press one or otherwise take the bait. At that point, they'll talk to a human being and that human closer will extract 5,500, whatever amount of money they can. I mean, there's some terrible stories that most of you know uh, where where huge life savings have been lost. Uh, So this is good business. This is why the fraudster starts it. they, they ultimately get that money coming back up to them through gift cards, usually, or wire transfers to a, a foreign bank account. Um, 
And, and similarly, they're taking a, a tiny bit of that money and paying it to their providers to put those calls onto the network and to let this happen. Um, here are some frequently asked questions that have come up over the years of, of working in this space. I, I won't read them all. Uh, many of you know more of the questions and the answers. Uh, people ask, where do they, how do they get the phone numbers? Who gives them the phone numbers? In many cases, they're not their phone numbers. They just make them up. And, and in fact, you'll see when we look at their calling patterns, in many cases, we see that every call is made from a different telephone number, even though it's from the same source, the same computer making those calls. Um, uh, you know, for the video earlier, how do they know my car warranty is expiring? Well, they don't. They, they, they just call a million people and they tell everybody their car warranty is expiring. They call a million people and they speak Chinese to them. And, and the handful that, in fact, understand that uh, say, wow, they're calling me and, and speaking my native language. I'm going to, you know, press one and see what they want. But Frankel says the telecom industry has to accept responsibility for policing their own networks and keeping those calls from reaching consumers. And he says they have the tools right now to do it. Millions of records can be analyzed in seconds, and that will reveal suspicious traffic. And then that warrants an investigation. And if the customer that's sending the provider that call traffic cannot in full detail explain exactly how that traffic is legal, then that provider needs to, to deny this. Now, we know that callers are going to adapt. Somebody pointed out to me that this slide deck gives away a lot of secrets, explains what, what the metrics are. I'm sure there are a few nefarious robocallers that are, have access to this webinar. Uh, they will adapt. We will adapt as well. But this is absolutely the starting point and a uh, place for us to dive in and reverse this mentality of innocent until proven guilty. When it's dialer traffic, that's guilty until proven innocent. That was ZipDX founder and networking technology expert David Frankel. To find out more about Ohio's efforts to fight robocalls, visit ohioprotects.org. And if you'd like to file a complaint, visit FCC.gov. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net. <laughs>